Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by James Hill and Kate Andrews. Kate, we've had some news today on inflation and it is better news uh, for the government than last month at least. Oh, it certainly is. Uh, Inflation rose to 7.9% on the year last month, which is down from 8.7% on the year in May. Um, And I think critically here, that beat market expectation, which thought it would still be, uh, the rate would still be over 8%. I should say it's just about in line with the Bank of England's predictions, actually slightly above. um, But if it were to be back on track with the Bank of England's predictions, that would mean that we would start seeing the rate of inflation fall quite rapidly as the summer plays out and going into the autumn. That is, of course, a big if. Um, it would mean that the rate has to continue to drop significantly and at a quick pace, and that has not consistently happened in 2023. But look, I think it is overall good news. Uh, food inf- the, the rate of food inflation is... Uh, I think it overall, I think it is overall good news. The rate at which food prices have been rising has also slowed down to just above 17% on the year, down from that 19% peak. This is still extraordinarily high, but we are moving in the right direction. Um, Maybe the biggest piece of of good news or or the reason to hope is that core inflation also saw a fall in its rate uh, down to 6.9% on the year in June from 7.1% in May. It was really concerning last month when core inflation, which excludes more volatile things like energy and food, was still rising as the overall headline rate of inflation was falling. It is now back to moving in the right direction. So there are already whispers across Whitehall that perhaps Sunak can make good on that pledge to have inflation by the end of the year. I think this is all um, still totally at play. And of course, what the government really has to do to have inflation is, is sit back and, and just not spend money. Um, there There isn't so much he can, he can do in terms of hiking interest rates. That sits with the Bank of England. The question now is whether or not we will still see those rate increases. And the overall es- estimation from the market is that, yes, we probably will see another rate increase, even potentially a few. But whereas, I mean, honestly, like a week ago, people thought rates would peak at maybe 6.25%. There's now expectation that that could be below 6%. Just a reminder of how quickly these things change. Some layer of good. We'll come back to you with more on that. And Kate, I suppose just in the immediate reaction from the markets, the price of gilt yields has gone down. Yep. So just a reminder that uh, when we see the estimates around interest rates fall, you know, this has a huge knock-on impact on borrowing costs for the government has a huge knock-on impact of borrowing costs for everybody. Um, It's just remarkable how volatile this whole thing continues to be. Uh, And, you know, that's something that I think Sunak's government has particularly struggled with uh, because whilst uh, borrowing costs, interest rates have all been rising for very different reasons uh, than what happened after the mini-budget last year under Liz Truss, the consequences are the same. You know, as interest rates go up, that hits mortgage holders, that hits people with any kind of serious debt, including businesses, and that hits government and makes it much more expensive to borrow, which means that you know, it's even more important that you cost everything um, that you pledge to spend, not just for the party in power, that matters most, but for the Labour Party too. We've seen this all week. Uh, the fight over the uh, two-child benefits cap, you know, I think fundamentally comes down to where they would find that money because they know in this new turbulent time and now that the era of cheap money is over, they also have to cost everything they propose. And James, I hesitate to say this on a Wednesday um, because there was still a fair amount of the week left. And I think what ha- happens tomorrow and then we hear about on Friday in terms of the by-elections mean it will change. But for, 
we could say perhaps Rishi Sunak feels that as though he's having a good first half of the week, um, which for him is, is quite good these days. Um, we've had the illegal migration bill become, well, we had the illegal migration bill pass the Lords and will be becoming law, um, though there are some who fear that um, the fact this has become law will give the Tories nowhere to hide if it doesn't do what it says. But on paper, good news. You also uh, have the inflation news today. And then we have also have investment in a battery factory. Yeah, so after a difficult few weeks of Rishi Sunak, it's a pretty strong uh, relatively finish to the parliamentary term. Uh, of course, the big news today being that Tata Motors has confirmed it's going to build a gigafactory for batteries in the UK, £4 billion investment, creating up to 4,000 new direct jobs. Uh, it leaked yesterday uh, to Bloomberg News, but uh, it's obviously been trumpeted this morning. Uh, and that's a, a good sign, I think, for the government uh, in terms of kind of making the case of post-Brexit Britain. Uh, you did re- reasonably well at PMQs today in responding to Keir Starmer's lines on the NHS. Uh, the migration bill, as you say, has been Past and the inflation news, I think, has been reacted to positively within Westminster. So, really, um, and the story will now move to those by elections. Obviously, there's a lot of discussion earlier in the week about a reshuffle. I think uh, that was more perhaps due to some of the comments Ben Wallace made at the Tony Blair conference uh, yesterday rather than any sort of briefing going out from number 10. Um, and I do think, though, that even in Westminster, this the, the by elections have been kind of priced in and that even they're expected to be disastrous but not catastrophic in a sort of way which is that I think most Tories would expect them to go all three uh, to opposition parties I think probably the most interesting one of those is the Uxbridge by-election where it's going to be uh, outside London and it's going to be the Tories have been talking about ULEZ as an issue and what kind of electoral potency if any that does have in trying to stem the national tide from Tories to Labour. I agree with James that the reception to the inflation figures has been very positive. I I think I sound like a Debbie Downer a bit in comparison to to some of the other commentary today. But the reason that I am just not so convinced about these figures is that we're still talking about the rate of inflation, right? Um, Prices are are still going up at, uh, you know, well over 7% on the year and core inflation is still extremely high. That means for people, things are getting more expensive. And I'm just not at all convinced yet with the inflation rate still where it's at compared to, say, the United States. States where the rate is down to 3% on the year, that people are really going to walk away from this and think this is great news. Um, you know, prices are still going up rapidly, just at a slower pace. Finally, you mentioned Ulez James, um, London, and we've had an announcement from Uxbridge today um, about the mayoral candidate for the Tories. Um, tell us more. So the Conservatives today selected Susan Hall, who's a member of the London Assembly, as their candidate to take on Sadiq Khan in 10 months' time in the City Hall election for London Mayoralty. Uh, there were only two candidates left standing after Dan Korski dropped out. The other was Moz Hussein, who Susan Hall beat by 57% of the vote to 43% of the vote. Uh, Moz Hussein, I think, was a complete electoral novice, and all the strengths and weaknesses that that brings. He didn't have much of a record to run on, being you know someone from an immigrant background, being a KC, but equally he also, as I think you saw from the media interviews throughout, uh, was a bit too untrained and I would came unstuck in one particularly memorable interview with GB News. So Susan Hall has been selected, as I say, she's someone who has the kind of blue-collar conservative background. Interestingly, she was a female mechanic, I think, in the uh, 1970s or 80s, uh, working quite a male environment then, uh, run her own hairdressing-related business, small businesswoman. 2006, she becomes elected as a councillor, works her way up, replaces Kemi Badenoch on the London Assembly in 2017. And really, I think her campaign throughout was very kind of pugilistic, punchy, um, crime down, 
hard on Khan and opposing Ula's expansion on day one. And so I think really it's a sign that she was probably the most obvious candidate having someone that's held electoral office before. Um, and now there's going to be questions about, obviously, does number 10 of you agree with some of her views? She's quite a, a right-wing candidate, but uh, she was someone who played the, the game well and racked up a lot of council endorsements throughout the campaign and had a short, sharp message and that clearly resonated with a number of activists. Yes, and then Sadiq Khan Camp already trying to depict her, as you point to James, as being very far on the right. Um, Kate, I'm currently looking at a front page of the Evening Standard, which has Suzanne Hall um, as the photo, and she's put her hands in the air, and it's already caused a bit of criticism, the fact they've gone so big on this. I don't think it's the most flattering photo I've ever seen. Um, what's your reaction to it? There's one Tory MP who's already complaining, suggesting this has a whiff of misogyny to it. What do you see? I'm in two minds about it. Some of the tweets you see going around compare this cover and this particular photo of Hall to some of the covers they've done on Sadiq Khan, in which he looks um, very professional, very nicely put together. Even when those headlines are critical, the photo is not. Um, you know, they've, they've chosen good photos of the current mayor. They have chosen a deliberately intense photo of Suzanne Hall. Um, and, you know, a picture speaks a thousand words, so you can understand why some of those criticisms are surfacing. I think the difficulty about making accusations of misogyny is that this is a photo that Suzanne Hall posed for today. They have not drudged something up from a decade ago. They have not gone out and deliberately found a photograph from a long time ago in which she is wide-eyed and holding her fists up and feeding into every accusation against her, which is that she is quite to the right of the party and, and, and has some um, rather... Uh, eccentric ideas which is the accusation um, um and and the fact that she decided to pose for this photo she did it within hours of it being on the front page you know it does change things um one might suggest that she shouldn't have done this pose one might suggest she should have pushed back on the photo shoot they wanted to do in the first place um and if she has started out her campaign giving them a photo like this for their front cover one could also conclude that she's just simply not ready for the battle that she's about to take on Thank you, Kate. Thank you, James. And thank you for listening. And while we have you here, um, we want to promote a subscription offer. £12 for 12 weeks and receive a £20 Amazon voucher for free. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash summer.